This is the Property Solopreneur Podcast, and I'm Rachel Troughton. I'll be talking about everything you need to create wealth by building your portfolio in a sustainable and profitable way. I'll be sharing the realities of a property investing business. I'll talk bricks and mortar, buy to let, HMOs, flipping and planning game, as that's what we all enjoy doing. But I'll also share how to use good systems, processes, and find the right professionals to work with. In fact, everything that will enable you to become a successful property solopreneur. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. And we're talking about dressing or staging a property for rental sale. And I've got a pre-recorded interview with Susie Cole, who has been selling her houses dressed almost since she started, and to this day still dresses all her HMOs prior to going on the market because it moves them much faster. She's got a lot to say on the subject. Now, dressing is one of those things that I don't think we all think about straight away. For someone who's just started, frankly, it's quite a lot just to get your head around how to buy an investment property, how to do it up, and then just to get it sold without having to take on board a whole new idea of marketing and all the ins and outs and and expenses of that. It's a big ask, but it is something we all come to look at or should do, because I believe there's only three ways to bring a property to market. There's the take us as we are, the blank canvas, and the staged or dressed. And of course, there is actually no right or wrong way to do it. It's just who are you and what is your view on it? And as investors, We've got to think about this very carefully because we want to turn our stock really, really quickly. We want that money back in the bank, don't we? Well, the normal level of presentation of a house or a rental property for sale is sadly quite low. And the reason it's low is because, of course, they're being lived in. And people who live in properties live in them. They don't live in stage sets. You know, things are cluttered, things are dirty, things are piled up. Well, that gives us a head start for a start, doesn't it? If that's the normal, then we can definitely do something better than that. Because you've got to remember that most retail buyers are so firmly in love with the property that they're actually selling that they're blind to any comments that could potentially cause you to have competition. We, however, are not going in to try and live in them. We're trying to create and stage a property which has wow factor, which, you know, gives big FOMO for the viewers. They've got to go and find out if they can afford to buy it. They want to buy it now. That's why we do all this after building stuff, which not everybody likes doing. I know this stuff works. I do. In the last house that I sold, it shouldn't have gone as fast as it did, but it did sell quickly on day two after being put on the market because it was dressed. It shouldn't have sold because this was a property I'd done up 20 years ago. And when I came to look at it after the last tenant moved out, it only had two tenants. Frankly, the you know the kitchen was looking a little dated. But I did my sums and I thought there is no point of putting a new kitchen in. I'm not going to get enough money back. What I'm going to do is clean it with an inch of its life, paint a few accent walls and dress it. It looked transformed. Nobody noticed that it was a somewhat dated kitchen. And if they were, then they were going to rip it out anyway. So why bother? Now, my house, it sold for more than the modern version down the road, which was occupied by a young family with lots and lots of plastic clutter. 
but it sold less than the identical council house also in my street that had been bought by a local builder and had been pimped, frankly, to the end of its life. And that took over a year and a bit to sell. Mine, as I say, just went through very quickly. And that was fantastic because although I'd had less money for it, I hadn't had extra council tax bills to pay. And in that area, they double if you leave a house empty. No huge energy bills and no insurance worries. You know, The money had hit my bank in a very short space of time and was ready to go again. That's a job well done in my view. Now, the blank canvas is possibly the most obvious way and is the way we all start, isn't it? And actually, it was the traditional way of doing it. Done up on right move, very easy to spot. But in the old days, your buyers had a slightly different way of looking at things anyway. You know, they would go into the estate agents and they'd be shown some perspectives and they would look at them and they would take a view of the first, you know, the front of the picture, as long as that was all right, it was a goer. Then they would look at actually what it consisted of and they'd go, oh, three beds near a local school, two minutes from the bus stop to town. Oh, yeah, count me in. I'm going to go and view that. Nowadays, our buyers aren't going into the estate agents. They're sitting on their sofas, scrolling through laptops or mobiles. And we've got to make sure that they stop scrolling and actually hit our slot. And if you've just done white walls and white skirting, that's going to be quite bland in the photographs with no depth. So it is a problem. Now, I hate selling empty properties for one very good reason. And I still do it, depending on the property. I think that every imperfection is highlighted. So that no matter how often Madam says to herself, I really want a period property or whatever, she will walk in and every imperfection will be shouting at her going, look at me, look at me. Whereas if it was dressed, the skirting board that isn't quite straight won't be a problem to her eye. She will just get the feelings that she wants to live in this property. And of course, space, that's the other one. You know, how big does everyone think a double room looks like? Well, what is a double room? You know, is it a a room that can take a small double bed, a standard double bed, a king size or an emperor, which, of course, is seven foot square. So, you know, it needs a pretty big room. And I think that it is a lot easier for people to understand how they can use space if there's stuff in a property than just to see a beautifully presented blank canvas, although blank canvases can look wonderful. Now, the first time I did a flip, I foolishly asked the estate agent if he wanted me to dress it, because, of course, To me, as starting out, the estate agent was the man who knew how to market my property. He was the man who was going to turn my bricks and mortar back into cash. He was God. He was the guru. Well, his eyebrows flew off his head and he said, you know, this is Stoke-on-Trent, not London. I did not need to dress it. Well, my beautiful house had been done with so much care. It was probably overdone. But it was an absolute dream for a first-time buyer. But it stuck. It wasn't going. I was getting a lot of viewings, but I wasn't having a lot of luck. And I think it was because the positioning of the terrace itself meant that there wasn't much time in the day when the house internally got full sun. So it was always a little bit dark. So I dressed it and it flew out the door. And that gave me the belief that actually they were buying into the lifestyle they could buy, not actually looking at the house they were viewing. Well, if you don't believe me, go and have a look at how the house building companies do it. You know, they spend a fortune on dressing houses. And yeah, I know it's over the top sometimes, but they do it because it works. And they've got whole departments that do it. Now, unlike the big boys, we don't have to have all the bells and whistles just to stage. We just need to create the story and the backdrop to our buyer's future. I like doing it, but 
it's one too many hurdles to some others. So know what you're good at and delegate the rest. You know, there are really great people out there who really get scatter cushions. You know, they understand pot plants. They know the right sort of stuff to populate the kitchen for maximum wow factor. Do you think a bed is just a bed? No, think again. How it looks and how it's dressed and everything's got to be beautifully ironed is a skill. And if you've not got it, don't fret. Just outsource it. Hire someone. You know, you'd have no problems worrying and hiring in an expert to do plumbing or carpentry, would you? Now, I'm a great fan of delegating. And as I said, I do most of my own staging myself. But I've seen the work that my friend Monica Mayer does in many different settings. It's the bit of the whole property transaction that she really does well and loves. And that's what you want if you do, if you want to do outsourcing, if you want somebody else to work for you, you know, a plumber plums, a stager stages. You know, they frankly got the patience to titivate and plump soft furnishings to the nth degree. They can completely transform a space. That's not actually my zone of genius. And why wouldn't you do that if you have spent time before you've even bought it going, how can I maximise the space? Where am I going to move the staircase to? Which walls am I going to move? Which chimney breasts am I going to take out? If you're then just going to leave it up to the imagination of your buyer. Now, I saw Monica's work in a tiny workman's cottage here in Suffolk. Tiny. The house was tiny. I cannot say the word tiny enough to make you realise how tiny it was. This little house, semi-detached, was built in the days when relaxing meant working in the veg plot, not lounging about inside watching TV. But by the time she had finished, that tiny reception room had a sofa, a chair, a table, lights. It was cosy and atmospheric. It was perfect for the two-bedroom house that it was. Now, it sold to a very pushy buyer at over-asking before it had officially gone on the market. One viewing, sold. Would you not like that? The reason why that happened was because, of course, the estate agent that it was sold through had a list of people who always want to get in ahead of the official marketing, just in case. Always wise. Now, Monica's details are in the show notes. If you're sceptical, look at her website and her Instagram pages and you'll get an idea that we're not just talking a white duvet cover and a potted plant. Now, this staging malarkey also applies to HMOs, as Susie's going to talk to us about. You know, do you want a particular type of tenant? Then provide them with the atmosphere that they're looking for. Likewise, if you want to know more about this subject, go and listen to a talk by somebody like Julian Maurice, who's an absolute expert in his field. And actually, I would say he's evangelical as to why the decor and the furnishings are as important as the plumbing and the layout of a building for getting top dollar tenants. Now, as I say, this is not a fad. Susie Cole of the Good property company has refurbished and dressed a lot of properties. So we had the following conversation about it. Well, Susanna, today I'm going to pick your brains uh, about dressing kits because that's what I've been talking about. And I know that you're a huge, huge fan of dressing kits, aren't you? Yes, I am. They tell a story. Well, what story do they need to tell at the moment? Because we're back almost in the same sort of market that you were when you started, which is, you know, worries of lowering prices and everything else. Do you have to make them uh, your houses quick and glamorous or do they just have to be empty and hope somebody will notice what needs to be done? Because every single person working in property today, we're going, how can I best safeguard my pennies? Yes, I personally think very strongly, and I think it's borne out by living in an Instagram type world now, that telling a story 
that retailing a property, which is basically putting in posing kit, is the way forward. And if we want some evidence as to why that might work for the smaller flippers like us, who are doing maybe one or two or five or ten a year, why don't we look at the big flippers who are the house builders? They always dress their properties. And why don't we look at retailers? You don't go into John Lewis or Harrods or any, you don't go into any shop and it's not got a beautiful retail visual outlook, has it? So that tells us that people who shop, people who shop for houses, particularly our target audience where women are normally within a relationship, the key decision maker for the house, we really need to be retailing that property to the people who are considering spending their life there. And that comes as quite a shock normally to most men who you find in property rooms who are inexperienced, shall we say, at flipping. Uh, because all the concentration is on the buying and then the refurb. And then yeah. how many times have we heard, you know, I can think of many very rude expressions about scatter cushions. Uh, yes, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, absolutely <laughs> and, and that it always sticks in the mind but it is you overlook this part of the whole process at your peril don't you at your peril yes and it's a financial it's a financial boost and you, how much did it when you started pennies were you know very tight because no. you, you you were just finding your first investors and your first jv partners and everything else how did you afford to do that first dressing kit I used my personal furniture. My children and I ended up sitting on the floor watching telly and we put in our furniture into the properties in the very early days. And then later on, I ended up uh, buying posing kits. At one point, I had posing kit for five houses at any one time because we were doing so many flips. But yes, I started with my own furniture. And there, there are a couple of key tips. You want to generally have uh, neutral colours with a couple of colours that pop and you want to tell a story. So in the kitchen, you would put a wine bottle, two glasses, artfully laid out. Darling, have some romance tonight. In the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the living room, you want to put three mugs because three is an odd number. It seems more odd numbers to even numbers. And that's suggestive that you're going to have friends around. It's going to be a friendly, warm, inviting, companionable place. So you're telling stories, not just making it look pretty. Yes, and you mentioned pop colours there. Now, some people are completely colourblind to yeah. whatever the local trend is. How do you find out what is the colour for this year? You've got a number of ways you can do it, and it's so inexpensive, so I'd urge everyone to do it. I mean, you can you can buy magazines, so I still subscribe to Living Etc. and El Decor, uh, and that just kind of gives me the latest trends, if you like, because they tend to be a little bit ahead of the trend and they tend to report on the shows. Or you can just keep it super simple. Go somewhere like uh, Asda Home, super simple, super cheap, but actually their designers are very switched in. So they're very strongly, they're like the Zara of the homewares. They really follow higher brands, fashions and, and reproduce, <laughs> shall we say, quite quickly. And, and therefore you can buy... I mean, I spent a £1,000 once buying cushions, but you don't need to do that. You, you can spend uh, uh, 50 quid and really make something a lot better. So once you've decided your colour pop, you only want two different colours. We used to do duck egg, blue and purple to pop. Sometimes we did mustard as well. But you don't want it to go crazy and you want uniformity. So these same popping colours throughout the house, 
and the same flooring, the same wall colours, the, the same tones throughout the house make it more cohesive and make it more attractive. Absolutely. When you say more attractive, we're not trying to recreate a family home, which could go from pastel cream right through to dark black of a teenage yeah. room. You're trying yeah. to create something that people feel instantly at home in and comfortable wherever they are. So that yes. is repetition. And that's yes. fluffy. And, and even taking it through to the... Yeah, the soft towels. Absolutely. Towels are, are the, the, the brilliant trick of cheap posing kit because you can roll them up hotel style. Uh, uh, you, you, on the sink, you can roll them up in the kitchen because you don't want to show dish towels because you don't want to suggest that anyone's ever, dear Lord, going to have to do washing up. But you can put towels because they're lovely and soft. And the other thing that is quite useful is to stage a dining table, darling, as soon as you walk through the door, supper is ready. And perhaps put a couple of pots and pans on the cooker. Oh, I walk in and the food is hot. It all suggests life at ease. So you're telling stories about companionship, about love. We always used to have the sex tray. <laughs> Absolutely. You're well known for that. Even your hairdresser knew about that, didn't she? My hairdresser, because we were doing a lot of flips, we'd have a lot on sale at any one time. And I was talking to her once about what I was doing and she said... Oh, you know, you do get these people who look at Rightmove a lot. She's like, I've seen your properties. I always have a tray on a throw with a cafetiere, two mugs and some croissants in the bedroom because I thought I was selling breakfast in bed on a Sunday. You know, Lionel Richie, easy like Sunday morning. Turns out my state agent told me I was selling sex. Well, we all know sex sells, so I put it in every house. And she'd seen all my properties. So you're telling stories the whole time. Because if you think about what a home means, of course, there's, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, status, there's love, comfort, sexuality, food, happiness, family, welcome, friendship. You're trying to show all of those emotions in the posing kit and the styling that you're putting together. But you don't want to put the bulky stuff in. You don't put in wardrobes. Yes, because that, that is the temptation when somebody's very new to it. And that's why they really do need to go and see somebody else's house that they've done. Because I remember walking in with a group of your investors into one of your houses and somebody said, but she's put no cupboards up on the walls in the kitchen. You know, Correct. And it was a classic case of, you know, Susie, Susie, I've spotted a failure. You haven't got any kitchen cupboards, but they weren't there for a reason, were they? Correct. Well, two reasons, really. The first reason being having no wall cupboards up in the kitchen meant the kitchen looked bigger. And the second was is save cost. And then I didn't used to put up tiles in the kitchen as well, because A, it saved cost, and B, it allowed the person to choose their own tiles, because if you get your tiles wrong, you're kind of insulting them. So you don't want someone to walk in and go, I love everything, but the tiles not buying the house. And interestingly, nobody ever mentioned that to your estate agents, did they? Never. Never, never. What I used to do was do an accent wall behind the cooker and then I'd, I'd use a glass panel, which you can buy ready-made from most kitchen places and B&Q, as the splashback, because I did feel you needed a splashback, so that all you saw was the smooth, clean accent wall in soft shades of lilac. Absolutely, which worked every time. Yes. But you were very good in that you kept refreshing your uh, dressing kit. What happened to your old stuff? Ah, well, this is a, are you ready for it? Bump, 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 bing. What happens is you make 20% profit every time you buy a house. Great. So every five houses, you basically get a house for free if we go the small matter of tax as well. So what I used to do was put the posing kit in five properties, bump, 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 bump. And then 
it started to get a little bit shabby, a little bit tired, and I'd whap it into an HMO. And that would be pulling, well, now my HMOs are pulling in three, three and a half thousand a month. So that makes easily well over a thousand pound plus profit every single month. And they've been there ever since. Yeah. They, so you could, they then basically go into the system where you're going to get tax to relieve, you know, to refresh them anyway in an HMO. So it's a win-win all round, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a couple of tricks that I didn't use that some of my investors did, which I was very proud of them. One chap used to put in washing machines that write in the particulars, white goods not included. So if you're not doing inbuilt, inbuilt washing machines, inbuilt white goods, then you definitely want to write white goods not included. He used to just buy an old washing machine that still looked good but wasn't working and remove the concrete base and put that in because washing machines always look better than gaps. But I always felt it was better to have an inbuilt washing machine. And another chap used to actually get a printout from a printer. This was quite clever in many ways, although he kind of got it wrong. And instead of putting in a washing machine, he would put in basically this printed piece of corrugated, not cardboard, but you know, that kind of corrugated plastic that looked like a washing machine. However, he slightly screwed up because instead of it being a fancy brand like, you know, uh, Bosch, he got it printed with Bico. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, I'm afraid I've I've always used white goods that have got no innards. And I'm always amused when workmen are with me and I go to pick up, uh, you know, Classic is a very large microwave, which are very heavy normally. And, you know, I can pick it up with two fingers because all the insides have gone. Ditto very large TVs, you know, I can pick up with two fingers because they've got no innards. But all that sort of thing really does help. But when you were doing the odd one or two, because, you know, during lockdown, you weren't able to churn through as many as normal. I know you actually went, you outsourced this. I did. I did. So there are fantastic, there are fantastic uh, people who that my fav- who can um, stage. And look, you'll find lots, but my favourite, I think they're the best in the business, are Peter and Monica Mayer. Their Instagram is keys to doors. I think you'll be able to tell their work. Yes, I get their... their um information is in my show notes there we go they're absolutely fantastic and they did the most marvelous job you know it was a much better job than I ever did so and I, I thought it was worth every single penny and of course we we captured all of this immediately with photography because those we get the staging done once but the photography happens for the, the same photos are used for rentals for the next 10 years so it's really useful both for flipping but also for rentals. Like we're talking right now and I am nine months away from my students moving out and in. My tenant find team are just starting to advertise my student properties. I sent them over yesterday, the photographs. They're beautiful. And I'm thinking they were taken like six years ago. Now, when they go and view them, they're going to see a slightly unmade bed because loads of students are living there. But the photographs were taken with posing kit and in pristine light and being beautifully taken. So they're great for rental posing kit as well as for flips. And last year, 50% of my student properties, the students bid higher than the rent we were asking and we're asking high rent. Absolutely. But many people will go, well, you know, Outsourcing that, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Actually, most people forget just to go and buy a scatter cushion is a morning's gone. Exactly. And you've got to, if you are a professional property person, you've got to value your time and realize where your skills lay. And they may not be in understanding what the color is this year or, you know, what kind of pot plant. 
and how balance rooms balance. I mean, I saw uh, a tiny, tiny little cottage done by Monica that looked huge by the time she'd finished with it. So you don't realise this is a skill until you see somebody get it wrong. And I know that you once let a JV partner help you dress a house. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. So one of the things, and I would say for anybody listening, as great as I'm interested, greatly interested in design, I will always work with Peter and Monica Mayer now on staging because I think they're so good. Monica's so talented. But yes, when I was staging my properties, I would always buy furniture that was slender, thin, that you can see through because that was light and airy. Hmm. Uh, my JV partner was desperately keen to get involved. And really, I'm running the show. I'm running the project. I know what I'm doing. I don't need too much involvement. So I allowed him to choose the bed. And I mean, this was kindness because I got on really well with him. We worked together for years. He chose a big, thudding beast of a bed. You know, rawr. it was awful. It, it, it was it was leather covered, enormous and just thuddy and thick. So it made the room, which wasn't enormously large, look incredibly small because all that could fit was this enormous padded leather bed. Yeah, I didn't let them choose any furniture ever again. (laughs) Absolutely. But sadly, we have to bring this to an end, although I could talk to you all day about dressing kits because it's such a fascinating subject. And it makes us money. That's the key for guys or girls listening to this thinking, oh, I'm really not interested. Guys, I where it makes you a lot more money because particularly we're coming up to a crash right now so if you need to beat the competition if you need to be the property that everybody's going to come and see you need to be better than the competition and that's where your staging kit comes in yes when you have a downturn it's absolutely vital that you present your properties in a better and more viable way than anybody else and so i'm afraid white walls and white gloss just do not cut it if you want to get your money turned over really really quickly which is what we all hope for 100 percent. selling sheds is not good business guys don't do it yes absolutely well thank you very much for your time susanna um no doubt we'll we'll have more pearls of wisdom with you in a future date and I love your podcast, Rachel. Oh, thank you very much. Unfortunately, I've listened to every single episode. So if you can just keep producing more, uh, I would be very, very glad indeed. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for that. Well, Susie's definitely a fan of staging properties, both for rent and for sale. But of course, there is a cost. And if you've not done it before, you may be tempted to think, I can't afford that. Well, go and find out first. Don't make assumptions and try it at least once. It may well be cheaper in the long run to stage it, either by doing it yourself or having the dressing fairy, than having to keep it in pristine condition for months on end, waiting for that buyer and then their conveyancing process to work. Because all of us want to sell for as much as we can, can't we? We want to break that road ceiling price and we want to get from bringing it to market to completion in the shortest possible time. And this is one way we can do it, by standing out from the crowd and making our properties absolutely irresistible to the retail buyer who buys with their heart. So I've mentioned Monica Mayer, her details from the show notes, but go to your local property meet and start asking around and go and see other people's properties that have been staged. It's the only way that you will actually get to grips with the whole concept. So If you've decided you're going to be doing this, you need to make sure that you've got your timelines in order. So go and see the dressing fairy, ask to see their diary because the good ones, they won't be free three weeks on Thursday and you've got to make sure that you've allocated the budget to it as well. But 
I don't think you'll have any problem with that because after all, this is just another way of making sure that we're extremely successful property solopreneurs. Thank you for listening to the Property Solopreneur podcast with Rachel Troughton. If you want to create a professional and profitable property business, download my property business checklist now at racheltroughton.com slash checklist.